where we go deep on the issues and provide a forward-looking outlook on the world. I'm your host, Leon Gandelsman. Uh, <laughs> before we go into today's topic, uh, just a fun fact about today's episode. This is take two. First take, that yeah, didn't hit record. That's a... Uh, I can't call this episode Rookie Podcast Mistake again, so... Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll take call it uh, take two. Um... So today's topic is uh, the appointment. It's kind of it's a serious topic. Uh, today's topic is the appointment of Steve Bannon uh, as chief White House strategist and senior counsel to Donald Trump. Uh, so I just want to get into two things before we really dive into this topic. Uh, first thing is, uh, I really like what John Oliver said on his most recent episode of last week tonight. Um, talking about how this whole situation that we're in, this is not normal, uh, and that we we can't allow the media to normalize it. But I do want to kind of elaborate on that and say that while we can't allow the media to, nor- to normalize it, we also have to um, accept that this is our reality. And, you know, only after accepting that this is our reality can we make a concerted effort to change it. So... Yes, this is abnormal, but let's accept it, let's take it in stride, and let's do everything we can to set our country back on a different course, because I think we're on a highly dangerous one right now. And just second item of business, uh, we're not really going to delve deep into Bannon's background. I feel like that's been pretty well covered in the media, uh, but if you're unfamiliar with him and why he's such a dangerous character, I'll leave link. Uh, I'll leave a link to a New York Times article, really good New York Times article, in the show notes, uh, kind of describing why he's such a dangerous character to have in the White House and why it's so dangerous for him to have uh, Donald Trump's attention to kind of be in his ear. So with that, let's uh, let's get into the the show. Uh, first thing I want to address is, uh, you know, we're moving in a dangerous direction and fast as a country. Um, and you see the media normalizing the idea of, uh, of Bannon's nomination. Um, but, uh, but also, uh, the entire circus surrounding the Trump presidency and the transition team and, and, they're also focusing on the wrong issues. And you see this more with the cable news media than the traditional print media and new media online. Um, you see them focusing on things like uh, Mike Pence not signing the correct documentation on time after the transition from Chris Christie to him. Uh, small, petty details like that that are inconsequential rather than focusing on I don't, maybe the, the nominees um, for the different cabinet positions, um, people like 
Jeff Sessions, senator from Alabama, who um, said things like he thought the KKK Klan members were okay uh, only until he learned that they smoked marijuana. Uh, this dates back uh, 30 years to when he was uh, denied a federal judge position by fellow Republicans because of comments like that. Um, another comment where he called a black assistant U.S. attorney boy uh, and also remarks when he called the NAACP and the ACLU un-American. Senator Jeff Sessions is believed to be a frontrunner for either Secretary of Defense or, get this, Attorney General, someone who is supposed to stand up for civil rights. That sounds like a great nomination. Uh, so, so we're moving in this dangerous direction. We've got this man who perpetuates these ethno-nationalist hatred ideas, uh, racist ideas, anti-Semitic, uh, anti-Muslim, anti-Arab, which, just to be clear, those are not the same thing. I think we get those conflated a lot in our society today. Not all Arabs are Muslims, and not all Muslims are Arabs. So, so we're moving in this dangerous direction fast, and I feel like we're losing touch of our core values, these values that make us American, these values that we hold dear, that are part of our national identity and our national pride. Things like this country is for everyone, you know, the American dream, anyone can find a place here. It seems that with this administration, uh, those things hold true if you're white. And if you're not, good luck to you. And if we find out you're a Jew, you're probably part of a global conspiracy. We don't really like you. Uh, maybe we hate you. If you believe in anything other than Christianity, how dare you? This is a nation, guys, of religious freedom. Originally, maybe the religious freedom that this nation was founded on was the freedom to practice a very specific religion and not the freedom to practice any religion, but it has morphed into, and a modern interpretation of that is the freedom to practice any religion. In this nation, we're free to be who we want to be, and I fear that we may lose that if we allow all of these these things to get blown over, get lost in the Trump administration by a man who, in Donald Trump, who has authoritarian authoritarian tendencies and who is advised by a man like Steve Bannon who, who circulates, promotes, and, uh, you know, is proud of doing all of this of promotion of these hatred, these ideas of anti-Semitism, anti-feminism, anti-immigrant, anti-black people, anti-Hispanic uh, people. I mean, this man is is an abhorrent person because of these ideas that he spreads. 
And it, it needs to be part of the public discourse that not just the media's discourse, but also the public discourse. We need to just, in conversations with our friends and family, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about these core American beliefs and ideals and these pillars of our society. And we need to say, we need to examine why they're going away. Everyone needs to be aware why they're going away or why they're threatened. There's a threat to their existence. And we need to really come to a consensus of, do we want these things or not? Are we okay with them going away? And I think we're not okay with them going away. I know I certainly am not. I know, I'm pretty sure everyone I know, all of my friends are not okay with them going away. And quite honestly, I don't see why even people who voted for Donald Trump would want these things to go away. You know, this is things like, freedom of the press, you know, free speech, things that Donald Trump has shown signs that he is not a fan of. These are pillars of our society. This is what makes us American. This is what makes people proud to be American. Uh, and we just really need to bring that back into our everyday discussion. I feel like, um, you know, it's it's not a time for complacency here in America. It's really more a time for increased political awareness from all Americans, um, especially Americans who can vote or who will be able to vote in uh, future elections, you know, 2018, 2020, very critical elections. Um, you know, this affects every one of us, and it doesn't just affect the United States, but it's going to have implications in governments and regimes worldwide. Um, so we really need everyone to call their senators and congresspeople, especially if you live in a red state or a swing state or a red district or county. Um, call your call your representatives, call your elected representatives. I already have expressed to them your disgust at what you're seeing from the transition team. Um, the fact that Steve Bannon has been uh, appointed to his to the position that he has, and that you expect them to fight this and fight for our ideals, fight for our national identity in Washington, and you know, express to them and express to your friends how you know this is such a disgusting message. It sends. So such a horrible message to, you know, between 30 and 40% of our population who are minorities of color. The fact that a man like Steve Bannon will be influencing the president. And that, that's not to mention other groups who aren't necessarily counted in that minority number. Um, depending on how you identify yourself, I got that number from the uh, U.S. Census Bureau, but that potentially doesn't include Jews, Arabs, Muslims, various other minority groups. Um, you, you, I would I would say probably half the country is personally affected or has some small reason to fear Steve Bannon. Even if that smallest reason to fear is just I mean, you could honestly make the argument. I don't really have the numbers in front of me. Uh, 
I'm just going to go ahead and assume that we're at least at 50% of our population being female or more. In my opinion, Steve Bannon is an affront to women. His The stories that he ran on Breitbart while he ran it, some of them are just horrible affronts to women. And even if you're a woman and you don't believe in feminism, just the crassness of these articles the and these statements that were written that were written on Breitbart. It's 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 sickening to see some of these headlines. Oh, birth control makes you ugly and fat, something like that. Uh, if there was an article about online uh, bullying of women online, and it's just the the gist of the article was. Women should just log off. You're making the internet, uh, you're ruining the internet for men. And it, it's, it's so blunt and direct and sickening, the things that he said. It, I I just can't, it, it still baffles my mind that he is senior advisor to our next president. So call your senators and reps. Uh, you can look up your elected officials by going to whoismyrepresentative.com, um, finding them, and then uh, you're going to want to look up their district offices and call those phone numbers. That's going to be the best way to get the information to the candidates. They're going to either, you're going to either leave a message there or someone's going to answer. And if enough people call their representatives, those staffers relay that message up the chain until those senators and representatives know what their constituents want. And at the end of the day, we live in a republic, which is a representative democracy. So we elect officials to represent us in the halls of government. But those officials need to hear from us if they're going to do their job effectively and if they're going to govern in a way that we want. You know, we are their bosses. They don't tell us what to do. We tell them what to do. So you need to call your representatives, call your senators, and make sure they understand uh, that you and your friends and your family are horrified by what is going on right now with uh, regards to this next administration. Um, and kind of going back to uh, the implications for this to the rest of the world, um, our nation is setting a horrible example. You know, we're crushing hope and we're replacing it with fear and hatred, racist fear and hatred. Um, American democracy was founded on the concept that we're, uh, we were going to be a shining city on a hill. Um, just not necessarily a beacon of hope for the rest of the world, but that's kind of what that concept has morphed into, especially in the 20th century. Um, we've become kind of the standard bearer for the world for many nations around this globe. They've modeled their constitutions, their forms of government, um, their political 
the political aspects of their societies have been modeled after ours. And we are failing them and we are failing those who have been looking up to us and have not yet taken that leap into democracy, have not yet uh, moved away from their authoritarian dictators and rulers. Those people around the world who look to us for hope now look at us with fear, confusion, um, uncertainty, we're letting down the world with not just the election of Donald Trump, but with our acceptance of the appointment of people such as Steve Bannon to our uh, nation's highest office. Um, and we as, uh, we as citizens of this country, we have a duty to ourselves and to the rest of the world to show them that you know we can do better and that the people of this country don't want that for ourselves we don't want an authoritarian ruler you know we want the freedom to live our lives and it, it, a lot of this has to do with uh it's really interesting and scary how donald trump has hijacked the republican party you think about it, Donald Trump is an authoritarian ruler. He has authoritarian tendencies. He likes to be in charge and make all the decisions. And at least for myself growing up, I always, the Republican Party has always been to me the party of, uh, of less government, the, the party of, I want government out of my life. And Republicans have just elected a president who quite possibly could have could want to exert the most influence on everyday Americans' lives than any other president in the history of our nation. Uh, so it's it's a it's a bit of irony that uh, that that happened, but it's also it's not a laughing matter. It's it's really it's something scary that we we have to contend with and. Um, you know, this is this is our our toughest test yet as a nation. Uh, I mean, we probably have. You could make an argument that things like the Civil War were a tougher test internally for our nation, but just because of our global reach and global influence at this point in time, I believe that this is going to be our toughest test yet. And whether we as Americans take this lying down and just let it happen to us. Or if we stand up, make our voices known, and and really resist the uh, resist the possibility of horrors that lie within the Donald Trump presidency that is yet to come. That's going to define our nation for decades decades uh, we must stand up and we must we must fight for our nation for what we hold dear you know this is this is a time when I think that 
we need not only to make our voices known, but we also need to speak to each other. We live in a greatly divided nation. Um, we live in a nation where the so Democrats, I think a majority of Democrats were scared out of their minds uh, for what the plans, what the Republicans' plans were for the country. And a majority of Republicans were scared out of their minds for what the Democrats' plans were for their country. I think we're only talking at each other and about each other, and we're not talking to each other. We're not talking with each other. We're not having conversations. We live in such a polarized nation, and we seriously need to address that. And to me, so to take a little uh, detour into this, when I was watching the Democratic National Convention on television this, this summer, that was probably the most American I had ever felt in my entire life. Um, I've never felt truly a part of, I've never felt 100% American. It's been hard for me just I was born in another country. I was born in Israel. I lived there till I was seven. My dad is Israeli. Uh, I have dual citizenship. I've never felt 100% American or 100% Israeli, or I've never felt... I've, I've always had more a stronger sense of patriotism towards Israel. I have to say it, it was just easier because I have pretty pretty sure it's been obvious through this show, but I have... Uh, more liberal views on politics and on social issues. And it, it that up until I believe really this year, it was really hard to be a liberal, but also be very gung ho about America, be very pro, just pro America. It, it was odd. I would, uh, I would feel a little out of place when I would, you know, tell people that I, I thought I was thinking of joining the military. I almost joined, or uh, I was like halfway through filling out my Air Force ROTC uh, application in high school. Uh, that's kind of the point I was at. I was not sure what it meant to be uh, a liberal, but also, you know, support the military, support America, love the flag things like that. And I, I'm, I was really happy when kind of Democrats took ownership of a lot of those concepts during the national convention. Cause to me, it was always odd that that stuff was kind of looked down upon by a lot of liberals. And that was very much a conservative Republican trope. So I, I think that, and I think that it really opened up a lot of people's minds to, you know, hey, yeah, patriotism is cool. Patriotism is okay. It's not, we don't have to be wild conservatives to love the flag, to love America. Um, I still think we have a lot of those kind of tendencies, those misconceptions that, you know, oh, someone who's got an American flag on their car, oh, they must be like a crazy Republican uh no, I don't, I don't think our nation needs to be like that. Why can't everyone love our nation? 
who lives in our nation? Why can't every citizen love our nation? And and I think starting out from that point, you know, loving America, cherishing these ideals about our country, you know, freedom, liberty, and justice for all. You think about that. Donald Trump doesn't stand for any of those. Donald Trump doesn't stand for freedom. Donald Trump wants to sue anyone who says anything bad or uh, quite honestly, anything true about him. All right. So freedom? No. Uh, Liberty? He does not believe in that. Uh, Justice for all? I highly doubt um, it that he believes in justice for all. You know, for Donald, it seems like everything is about framing, how you frame it to him. Um, So everything is kind of very situational. And that's just not the world. That's not how you should look at the world, especially not as a world leader, especially not as the world leader. You know, those pillars of our nation are things that I think all Americans hold dear. I don't think they're talked about enough, honestly. Uh, I think we have such a unique nation. We're so, this, this nation is a giant experiment. Okay. The great American experiment. And I believe that we need to have more discourse. We need to talk about more, you know, the things that we love about America, why America is great. What are these concepts about America that we can all agree upon? from all sides of the aisle. You know, what I think everyone really believes in, uh, you know, freedom, liberty, justice for all. And to me, that's kind of a great starting point. You know, talk to your conservative friends. Hopefully, you know people who voted for Donald Trump or supported his ideas and talk to them, ask them why, ask them how they feel about these pillars of our democracy, but don't, don't do it in an accusatory way. Talk to them, explain to them that you're fearful that Donald Trump is against all of these things, that he's the most un-American president we've ever had. And he's just in it for the fame or for whatever. He just did it so he could do it. And, you know, I I think only then can we start to heal the wounds that have divided us. Um, And while I think that even as a polarized country, we can, you know, turn out the vote and get more people to vote Democrat and start to take back some seats in uh, the House and the Senate, and then hopefully get the presidency presidency back in 2020. We're stronger together. As oh, wow, okay, <laughs> all right. I didn't mean to say say stronger together like that, but I mean we are stronger together as a nation. You know when when both parties worked together and we were less polarized, we achieved so much more than in these past eight years during the Obama presidency when Republicans decided to just block pretty much all legislation. You know, a lot of the angst and 
uh, and discussed at Washington from conservatives should be directed at conservatives who simply because they didn't like the president, whether it was because of some subconscious racist or other tendencies or just because they didn't agree with his politics decided that no we're not going to do anything that's not how democracy works that's not how our country should work we, we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard and uh the best way to do that is to talk to each other to mend these wounds and i think it it really does start with us you know Millennials, we are, I, I named this podcast 21 Millennial Thought. 21 meaning the 21st century. And Millennial Thought meaning, you know, Millennials, we need to have a different perspective on the world. We can't just accept what our parents and grandparents' generations have left us, this kind of hateful, spiteful, divided nation. We need to come together. And we need to work with each other and we need to find common ground and we need to accept that we're not going to agree on every issue, but we need, we need to come together and work together because if we don't, we're going to, America is going to start to decline. We are not going to be the leading force in the world. And honestly, you're going to see nations like Russia and China become more leading forces and have more political influence over other countries. And to be honest, I would rather have American democracy be an influencer around the world rather than uh, Chinese and Russian authoritarianism. So uh, one final point, I know that if Donald Trump had listened to this, he would probably say that, you know, he didn't sign up to be a role model or a hope, an inspiration for the world. Um, but actually, you did sign up for it. You ran for the position of president, and that is in the job description. Uh, that is where we are today. That is just the, the facts of it. That's like a football or basketball star saying, uh, I'm not a role model. The kids shouldn't look up to me. Kids look up to you. They see you on TV. They want to play the sport like you play it. They like you and they want to live your life like you. And just because you don't want to be a role model doesn't mean that you're not. So Donald Trump, you can pretend all you want that nobody is looking up to us, that no one's looking up to you with bated breath to see what we do next, to see what you do next. Um, but doing that would be fooling yourself big league. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks for listening. If you like the show, please tell your friends. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sandwich Legend. Um, please like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash 21 millennial thought. And don't forget to subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. And I'll catch you guys next week for a Thanksgiving show with special guest Rome Gandelsman, my brother from the same mother. Deuces. Thank you.